0: Well, thanks for having me back, Corey. Lots to talk about. Man, it's been a while since I've had you on. It's been almost a year and a half, maybe almost two years. Yep. I'm very excited to have you back on because Neil is known as the mad scientist in this multifamily space, but he really has some pretty wicked smart ideas. And Neil, what we've been up to you lately. What's going on? I
1: think that with all the challenges that we're seeing on the value add side, I've been shoring up my value add, some of which I have negative cash flow. I've been shoring up my new construction projects and also working on a new area within multifamily called build to rent, where you sort of build single families or townhomes as opposed to building apartments. So that's a very fun and interesting ride. And obviously all of it affected by what's happening in the marketplace with interest rates. So it's keeping me busy.
0: Yeah. So build to rent, big money has went into that space. In fact, I've got a land where I live, there's a whole one mile by one mile like plot of land that's a good portion of that is built to rent. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're not even going to sell these homes. These are all rental properties from the get-go. That's a couple of miles down the road, but I was like, "That is just blows my mind, but that is what's going on right now
1: btr is actually bailing out the big builders. so a lot of the big builders whether it's Lennar or kb homes these people had put basically allocated were sitting on these plots of land and they had hundreds and thousands of plots they call them individual parcels and now they can't build on those anymore the demands dropped so the last time this happened in 2008 2009 the national builders lost a lot of money this time they've gotten smart they went and got billions of dollars from wall street investors to do build to rent projects And so they're not slowing down. Instead of selling homes to people, they're still building them, but now they're renting them out 300, 400, 500 unit communities at a time. Very smart. It's a great business model. And it really works for them even in the long run. But in the short run, it means that they don't have to lay off anybody.
0: Yeah. So how long have you been into that? Like how much time did that really take what you've been currently doing? So basically
1: in the last two years, I've scaled in built-to-rent, right? So scaling to a thousand plus units. I've been building built-to-rent for a long time. In fact, I have three built-to-rent properties, one in North Carolina, one in Texas, one in Idaho, that we're currently doing something very fun for called triple- Virtual open house on Saturday at 10 o'clock, we take you to our Idaho property at 1030 North Carolina and 11 o'clock, Texas. So people actually get to walk through three different properties at three completely different price levels like so seventeen hundred dollars, twenty two hundred dollars, thirty three hundred dollars in rent. What does that look like for three different built to rent properties? As you can imagine, that means I've been doing it for a while, but now I'm scaling. Now I'm building 500-unit, 300-unit built-to-rent properties.
0: Oh, that's amazing. That's so much fun. So what about in the multi side? We've been talking about a pain a little bit, right? I think that's something that not really wants to address, but like things are not always as good as they used to be. We had a really nice 10-year run, I felt like. What's going on now that you see what's going on in America?
1: Well, adjustment. I think that multifamily is a privileged asset class. Nothing's really changed there. In fact, it's gotten more privileged after COVID because there's so many people that got their fingers burned with office and hotel and retail that more people want to invest money in multifamily today than at any time in the past so that's the good news on the tough side we've had such an incredible run with rents that the u.s is taking a breather now there's a lot of people saying rents are going down that's not true my data clearly suggests that rents are dropping in some metros that had gone up very fast like phoenix is one of the places where i've been building quite a bit and when rents went up 31 percent in phoenix over two years, right? So that's about 10 times the normal speed or eight times the normal speed. So now they're down about 4%. And this is an adjustment process. The metro is taking a breather and saying, okay, let's get some affordability here. And then we'll start moving again. Austin's the same way. I think rents dropped about 2 or 3%. So there's a breather that the industry is taking at this point of time. So normally what happens is September to February timeframe, we usually lose rents about 1% or 2%. This time it's a little more. It's more like 3 or 4% whereas the market does the seasonal thing. And then it also takes a breather. So on that side, we've seen some rent slowdowns. And then we have some supply issues. So what's happening is in 2021, we built a lot. In 2022, we still built a lot. In 2023, we're not building a lot, but it doesn't matter to us yet because what's delivering is that 2022 overhang. So we've got some supply challenges this year. And of course, the biggest one that most people know about, your guests have talked about it, is this massive interest rate overhang that's basically taking cash flow down to zero.
0: That's the big one, right? So that's for a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, too, is like, it was kind of like, who stole my cheese? Really? Who stole my money? Well, the bank did. (laughs) We had all these adjustable rates, mortgages going on, and they were great at the time. And Listen, I still got to dispo two of them, and I've got a minimum guarantee interest of 18 months, and I'm 12 months in, Right, and August can't get here fast enough to get out of that loan i'm currently at like maybe 8.3 and so guess what that does to your cash flow it takes it all
1: yep and i think that one of the things that i want to point out is that no one in the industry knew this no one had predicted this there's a few fat cats saying hey we always knew so we got fixed loans but i think they had a business model that was Predicated on long term holds. Their investors and customers were different from ours. Everyone in the industry has this challenge. One of the things that I like to say is today, roughly 30 to 40% of all properties that were purchased in 2020 and 2021 are underwater. So they're losing some amount of money or they're maybe break even or close to break even. And then 50% of all properties that were purchased in 2022 are losing money and they're probably losing substantial amounts of money. So we've got this bleed issue that is conflicting with the overall marketability of a multifamily and attractiveness of multifamily. And we basically, what I say is the industry basically has to figure out how to get through the next 12 to 18 months. We have this window of time where things are problematic. Now we're starting to see cap rates increase and those cap rates are increasing simply because people can't get enough debt, not because they don't want to buy the properties. People are still going hard day one on properties. I mean, this is happening a year since the Fed start. You can't buy a property today that's a decent property without going hard on day one. So the demand, is absolutely insane. But the problem is people can't get enough debt to close properties. And that's bringing the prices
0: down. It's bringing the cap rates up. Yep. That's exactly what's happening. Meanwhile, I love your analogy too. And I think it is an 18 month problem because we've got to be able to push through. And so to push through, usually some things are going to have to happen. And that's usually when you're in this situation, you're going to need additional cash. And if you don't have that already... This is where I don't think the industry is talking about this enough is like cash calls. You know, we talked about this, brought this up, like does that process work? What do you do? How do you ask? And so what's your opinion on stuff like that?
1: So I think the industry has trained a lot of people in the last five years. There's training programs. So I've reviewed a lot of training programs. I've never seen one that talked about these times. So there was basically there's this missing chapter in the industry's education around things like cash calls, recapitalization, negotiating loans with the bank. What do you do at a time like this? And what do you do if you're within 90 days of a default, right? So I'm talking about obviously the worst case scenario. There's some properties that are doing okay. Some properties that are not so good, but will muddle through. And then there's some properties that are in severe risk. And in a big country, I'm thinking there's thousands of properties at severe risk. I don't think the people that are running those properties fully understand all of the things that they need to do. And I want them to do it, right? You might say, why is Neil talking about this? It's somebody else's property, not his. We are together together. We're basically peers in this industry, and the industry is fairly small still, right? We're only about 5 to 10% of all multifamily in the U.S. 90% of it has nothing to do with syndication. And syndication is really where a lot of these challenging properties are yep. because that's where all the bridge loans are, right? So the challenge is mostly contained within our ecosystem. And I want to really help as much by telling people, look, you've got to start thinking about this. The first thing is this. If your property is going negative for more than three or four months, you must start talking about it with the investors. Hiding it from them is extremely counterproductive. In fact, I think it's a very stupid idea. So you've gotta be telling them what's happening and what your plan for the next 18 months are. You've gotta start saying, hey, a cash call may be likely, right? And we'll talk with you more about the cash call. Start having that conversation, start using that word. You can say things like maybe likely, we're thinking about it, we're having a conversation. We're not at the point yet where a cash call is our reality. Have those conversations because if you're not, your savvy investors are going to think that you're hiding something from them because they can read financials,
0: right? Yeah. Getting way ahead of it is way important, right? The sooner you can deliver that kind of news, because you usually have a pretty good feel, well, we're going to have to start doing something. Now, the challenge is most people don't do enough, right? I think when they look at it, oh, well, I can get by with this. You need that plus another whole trunk of money, So you don't ever have to ask for it again. You just want to be able to ask once, get through a period of time. Listen, the market will heal itself. I mean, we talked about rents are still strong in most markets. Yeah, so there's a couple of lulls and this stuff, but that's going to kind of work its way out. The biggest challenge is the lending and over a period of time. I mean, the Fed usually swings one hard way to the other, and then eventually they're going to start going back to QE. Now, how long that takes, I don't know, but it will come back right?
1: It certainly went. And I think in this case, it'll come back stronger and quicker than most people think. So we can talk about what that timeline is. I actually want to dive into something known as the spread, which sits above SOFR for all of these loans, right? But I think the key piece is this, right? Corey said something that I want to jump on first, right? He said, don't just basically say this is the amount of money that I need. People ask me, how much money do you think I should get from a cash call? My answer to them is try and get 3x, and I'll tell you why 3x. 1x is what you think you're going to need in the next, let's say, 9 months or 12 months, right? The situation might be better in 12 months. So 12 months, what do you need for the next 12 months? That's your 1x, okay? The 2x is what you don't know is going to happen if the Fed keeps raising, right? What's the 3x? Not every investor gives you money when you ask for a cost cash call. Most people don't have those punitive clauses that, extra extra dilutes them. They just get diluted pro rata. And most people are like, no, I'm just not going to give you money. So you've got to ask for 3x. If you think you need a million, you should be doing a cash call, but 3 million, right? So that's the first thing of cash call. My second piece of advice, which is very important is this. Anyone that has ever done a webinar to sell a property or to their investors, you need to do that webinar just that well, maybe even better for your cash call okay? You sold them a vision. It didn't go quite right because of external factors. They're not dumb. They understand that it's a factor that's outside of your control. But now you've got to sell them a vision of what that future looks like when they give you that cash, right? And you have to work on it just as hard.
0: Am I going to give you that money? Because that's the question I ask you. So am I just throwing more bad money, good money to bad, right? And so they've got to understand that this is how am i going to get my money back. What's the new vision? What does it look like? in our current economy? And how long do we have to go before it gets better? You have to have this crystal clear
1: explanation of why the money that they gave you before is not bad money. In six different ways, you have to prove it to them that the money that they gave you is still good money because no one will ever protect bad money, but everyone protects good money right? They have to understand that. And I don't think that obviously people haven't been through cash calls before. I've been through a cash call. I can tell you, I would much rather take a root canal over a cash call. They're not fun. And that's so the industry is avoiding them. And the problem is this, I'm sending this message to you. We've had a really, really good time of it in the last 10 years. I mean, just outrageously good. No other industries that I know of exist that have had this good of a time. This is one year of challenges. You'll get through it. Part of that is doing a cash call.
0: Hey everyone, 2023 is the year where new millionaires are made and it's time to take action. A lot of things have changed in multifamily and you need to know what is working now. You must learn how to raise cheap capital correctly. You need the systems to unlock unlimited deal flow and you need a support team to guide you along the way so guess what the kahuna boardroom is now open we only have space for about 60 people and i'm telling you this event is next level we do it right we do it well and i will teach you i will give you everything that i've learned now i only have space for 60 people and this is really the course that will get you there so it's three days of live training a full home study course our trusted cash flow calculator to underwrite your deals. And if you enroll now, I'll include five bonus training sessions building up to the live event. So listen, do not waste a single minute. Go to the Kahuna Boardroom. I've just lowered the price to $997 for this is a Valentine special, my friends. Only 60 people get to attend this event. You want that to be you. So go to KahunaBoardroom.com and register today. You will not be disappointed, my friends. I totally agree. And I think for people that are listening to this, you probably need to do one right now. You just don't know it or you're not being honest with yourself about it. And so I've done one and it's not fun. It really is not fun. It's the worst feeling in the world to have to go in front of the people that gave you $5 million and ask for another two or another three, right? But here's what I found out too, like going through mine is that the right investors are always the right ones. You realize, you confirm who the people are that you want to keep investing with, right? That I want them in my portfolio every time. And then you'll also realize how scary it is for them. I think I've learned just trying to get on their side of the coin a little bit more and understanding how they feel and what they're thinking and let them talk. Because sometimes I've been on many calls after that first initial webinar, whatever we put out, and then having some additional field, more calls just to say, one-on-one, talk to me. And really the question always is, is this going to work, right?
1: Yes, there's a great way to show them that, right? So, one of the things that I suggest it should be on your slide when you're doing cash calls. One of the things is here's how this property would have performed if interest rates were not maybe at 0%, but were at 1% or 2%. Here's what my property looks like at 1% interest rate. Here's what it looks like at 2%, which is a pretty common Fed funds rate. Right now, we're at 4.75. The moment they see that, Then you have to make this statement, this property can't be bad money because this is the way it behaves when the Fed funds rate is in an equilibrium in a normal economy, not a COVID economy where rates were at zero, but a normal economy. And you've got to emphasize that three different ways until they understand this is good money. And then you have to basically say we're partnered with you. You're our partner. Normally, you don't do any work and that's our job to do the work. We're committed to doing 100% of that work, but that doesn't mean that as partners, you don't help us when we need help. Right now, we need help. Ask for people's help. They want you to ask. Don't be grumpy. Don't be saying, I've got nine properties that are doing well and this is the only one not doing well. They don't want to hear that. That's stupid. That's the only one that they're invested in. So I think what you need to do is ask for their help.
0: Yeah. And people do actually want to help you. They want to succeed they chose you you know it's funny but you go through these things and my wife we were just talking it's a horrible experience to go through it but then and my wife said this she goes corey remember they chose you they all chose you and invested with you right they all believe in you yes really go back through the facts and show them why again like you said six different ways why and here's where we're going and here's what we'll get to and once you do that Man, I'm telling you, it was like, left the chips. I got it all out. Everybody understood where we're at. And then the money starts to show up. You move ahead. Yes. You start getting that money. With a few people that were hesitant, I had
1: one-on-one phone calls. My cash call was in 2015, I think, or 2016. One-on-one phone calls. And look, people don't abuse you. They don't yell at you. They understand. They just want to hear from you. Some people just want to have a one-on-one conversation. So the fact that people are not doing cash calls at this point in time, is bizarre. It's just an indicative of, look, you never had to do them, so you think you didn't have to do them. As an industry, I beg you, let's do our cash calls, get beyond this year, and move on to brighter days. You do not want to get to the point where 100 properties go back to the bank, because then all of us have problems.
0: you brought a great uh, little piece of it, and I think I'm going to add this to my curriculum, is how to do it, right? it's not in my curriculum like it's nowhere there i've never thought about it i
1: used to teach three or four years ago i had my own program i didn't have it in there i think that this is just it's experiential it actually makes sense today right
0: yeah oh that's awesome absolutely
1: so i think cash calls are one piece the other piece that i'd like to talk about which i think is related to newer properties right so obviously with cash calls we're talking about existing properties is what do you do today right so i mean at this point do you stop do you not buy anything a lot of people are pencils down and so i have a suggestion that obviously you can be pencils down. And if you can do that and it works for you, fine. Okay, good for you. Wait for six months, seven months, nine months, whatever it is. What about if you can't be pencils down, which is the reality for most companies. They have employees, they have stuff to do. I have a suggestion, and I think it's based on my understanding of something known as the spread. Yeah. Corey, let's talk about that because I think it's very important, right? Everyone today is an expert in what we call the Fed funds rate. right? So the Fed funds rate was zero, and then it went up by 75 basis points, then 50, then 25. Right now it's at 4.75. So everyone knows, okay, the Fed funds rate. Now, what people don't fully understand is how does that Fed funds rate how does that translate into a mortgage rate today? So if you're buying a property and you don't want to get 10-year fixed, a lot of us don't want to get 10-year fixed because that locks us in refinance. We, we basically, it can not do anything for a minimum of five years, in most cases, seven years. So we don't like that. I don't know of a single syndicator that actually likes fixed rates. So if we want to do bridge, we have to understand the components of the mortgage better than we've ever understood before. And so there's two components. Let me talk about them. And one of them is much more important than the other, and it's not the one that you're thinking about all right so the fed fund rate is that component when we look at it in our mortgages that component is called SOFR. s o f are. And SOFR is just slightly less than the Fed funds rate all the time. So it tracks it very evenly. If the Fed funds rate goes up by 50 basis points. A couple of days later, the SOFR goes up by 50 basis points. So it's exactly tracking it as a number, it's slightly lower. So if the Fed funds rate is 4.75. SOFR might be 4.5, 4.55, but it's close. It's really, really close. And that's the portion that you really don't have any control over. And the Fed doesn't seem to be in a hurry to drop rates. So what's likely to happen, and what most people in the industry are projecting, is the rates at 4.75 in March, there's a Fed meeting, it goes up to five. And then it May, it goes up to 5.25. And then they might hold, or they might do maybe one more increase to 5.5. Either way, you don't have any control over it. And the Fed is probably going to hold at that level for three, four, right. five, six exactly. months. Who knows, right? Big question is, how do I buy a property with that knowing that? The answer is the other piece. The other piece is called the spread. It's on top of SOFR. But today, the spread is four or four and a half. So it's sitting on top of SOFR. So SOFR is four and a half. The spread is four and a half. So you're basically paying 9% interest or 10. Some properties are even 11, right? So the spread is very high. Now, most people, if I ask them what SOFR is, they'll give me an answer. The question is, what do you think spreads were at a year or two years ago? Most people don't know. They don't know what the spreads were. Well, the answer is the spread in a normal market where there's no risk, there's no fear, it's between one and 2%. That's what the spread is. And sometimes it's even lower than 1%. I've even seen it like 0.75. So the spread is an indication of the risk that the bank is taking and also an indication of their expenses. They got to pay their employees, things like that. So that's in the spread. And then the risk that they're taking is in the spread. Every bank that I know of is basically saying, what is my worst case scenario with this loan? And what they're doing is they're basically setting that as their spread. There's no reason at all Looking at the strength of the economy, we just had 500,000 jobs in January. We're not losing them. Right. There's no job losses. 3.4% unemployment is the lowest since 1969. Right. And we have a spread that's four and a half percent. Now, it's completely logical, but also logical. So here's why. It's logical because the spread indicates that the banks don't know where the Fed will stop. The spread has nothing to do with the Fed reducing interest rates. It simply has to do with them not knowing where the Fed stops, right? Now, almost everybody in the industry feels that the Fed will either stop in May or stop in June because eventually you get to the point where you're just driving the economy into a recession. The Fed's not foolish, right? And the other thing is most people are like, yeah, but the Fed has to keep raising and inflation goes up. That's nonsense too. The equilibrium Fed funds rate is 2%. At 2%, the Fed neither helps nor harms the economy. It's the equilibrium rate, right? Well, currently we're already 2.5% above. If the Fed just sits there and doesn't drop rates, it's hurting the economy big time anyway, right? Until it gets down to 2%, the Fed is hurting the economy. It doesn't need to keep raising rates. It just needs to find a rate where it's hurting the economy enough, right? And that brings inflation down. That's how the Fed works. Now on the spread side, here's the magic. The moment the market believes that the Fed has stopped, There's no need for a spread of four, four and a half points. There's no need for a spread of three points. The the spread drops very fast down to one or 2%. Now, the moment this happens, you're liquid with multifamily because remember the spreads locked in, the SOFR part is not locked in. So whenever the Fed drops rates next year, the year after you will get the benefit automatically, your mortgage is gonna drop, right? So don't ever worry about the SOFR. Always worry about the spread, because once you lock in your loan, that spread is not going to change for the duration of the loan. So here's what I think people should be doing. So all of this kind of leads me to my thought process, right? My thought process is I want to be pencils down until the end of March. So right now is mid-Feb, right? So 45 more days. And I want to aggressively underwrite everything I can in the market in April. And then I want to go into contract in May, but I want to write a contract that in any way, Possible allows me to kick the can down to close the property as far as I can. October, November, even December. Even if it costs me a hundred thousand dollars more of deposit and another hundred thousand, another hundred thousand, I want to give myself options to keep kicking the can down the road. Why? Because somewhere between now and October, the spread is going to collapse. Yes, I agree. Yep. That's how you buy a property right now. You gotta be stay in contract for a substantial amount of time and things are in your favor. I could be wrong. Obviously, we could all be wrong, right? From what I'm seeing, the Fed simply has to stop. And the moment it stops, half of your
0: interest rates collapse. Amen. Hey everybody, I just wanted to remind you the Kahuna boardroom is open and it's live. And I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, anybody that's attended this event, I'm telling you right now that they have been blown away. And the reason for that is you know how you go to most events and there's a bunch of selling and this, you need that, you need my next course, you need all this other upsell stuff. Like the event that you go to is really not the one that you really need. That's not this. I spend three days teaching you everything that I know. I give you all my forms, all my stuff. And most importantly, if... (laughs) I introduce you, I give you my credibility kit. In other words, we make one for you guys, but because I put myself as your partner, I get to include all my properties in your credibility kit with your branding, your colors. I don't know who else does that, but I'm telling you just for that alone, it is worth the 9.97 just to get in. So if you're looking to change your life in 2023 and really level up, I highly recommend that you go to KahunaBoardroom.com and register now. April 27th through the 29th is when the event starts. So when is the Kuna boardroom? It's April 27th through the 29th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Guys, you will not want to miss the event. The weather's going to be great. It's going to be a wonderful time, and I would love to see you there. Brother, I love talking with you every time we get on this thing. You bring a lot of value and just a lot of energy. And I love that you're passionate about it too, Neil. I think that this is a wonderful industry. It's made us all a lot of money, and we're definitely going through some turbulent times. but. This is why it's more important than ever to go to your events, get with smart people, start talking about the things that no one wants to talk about, like what we've talked about today. That is the key to growth is first admitting you have a problem and then finding people that have been through it, been there. And what do they do to help get through that? I think you've shared, put a lot of light on a lot of that stuff today. So Neil, thank you so much for doing that. As we kind of get to the end of this thing, any new books or anything you've been working on that you're excited that you want to share with our audience?
1: Right now, what I'm working on is not a book. It's this phenomenon called ChatGPT. I think I'm taking Udemy courses that I've, I'm halfway through a course on how to use ChatGPT. I'm looking at this. I know it doesn't know underwriting yet. So from our industry's perspective, but look, we've got properties to manage. I have my employees rewriting every description of every rental unit at every single property. Job descriptions are now written through ChatGPT in my company. We've got letters that we answer to investors that we write through ChatGPT. We write investor updates dates, then throw them into ChatGPT and say, can you make this better? And like magic, it makes them better. (laughs) It's an astonishing difference from where I was on November 28th. November 29th is when ChatGPT came out. I think the world changed. I like to say this, and maybe I'll be proven wrong. ChatGPT is bigger than the smartphone for sure because of the productivity gains that it made. There have been no productivity gains in the US population because of smartphones. In fact, productivity dropped because we're all addicted to the goddamn things. And we're not getting our job done. ChatGPT, though, is designed to make us more productive, and it's just the beginning. It's just one little software. I'm sure there's 300 of them on the way. This one that basically, what you give it a description, and it writes a 20-slide PowerPoint. Yes, I've seen. Have you it. heard about this, Corey? It makes a 20-slide PowerPoint. So right now is a great time not to be reading books, to be experiencing generative AI in all of its forms, in all of the different ways. We're seeing an astonishing revolution. I
0: love it. My wife is like, Corey, you got to see this. Oh my gosh, I was like, whoa, that's
1: amazing. It's pretty astonishing. The stuff that it does is absolutely astonishing. I'm using it at my company. There's $50 a week price for best use of ChatGPT. And we require all the different departments to present how they used it week. So they come together for a 30-minute huddle. And the first couple of weeks, the marketing people were winning it all the time. Hey, we used it for this landing page. We used it for this email. And eventually, we created a new rule just to kind of get rid of them. We said, if a department wins, it can't win again for a month right? So now it's like, okay, the next time we have the operations team. And so the recruiters came in, Kay came in and she's our chief recruiter. She said, here's how I wrote this job description in one minute in the middle of a meeting. Sometimes it used to take two to three weeks for department managers to get a job description to me. Now I don't allow that anymore. When I'm in a meeting, they say, I want to open a requisition. I say, okay, I throw up chat GPT. I actually start typing stuff in there and they build a job description. I copy paste it and I post it to a search engine all inside of the meeting. I was like, this isn't worth 50 bucks. I should be
0: giving you 200. (laughs) That's amazing. Listen, Neil, thank you again for coming on. How do people find you and your company?
1: So two ways. One is I'm the only Neil Bawa on the World Wide Web. So N-E-A-L space B-A-W-A. Just hit enter in Google or ChatGPT. Well, it knows me, by the way. And then the other option is to go to multifamilyu.com. So we do a lot of industry webinars, the sort of stuff that Corey does, but we like webinar format. So we don't have a podcast. We like to do long form webinars that are an hour long. So you're welcome to watch them. There's about 20 of them recorded. It's actually going to be one about ChatGPT. And then there's going to be one about the evolution of the multifamily industry going through this kind of crisis that's coming up in the next month or so so multifamily space uh, multifamilyu.com
0: bill again thank you for coming on my friend it's always a pleasure guys if you listen to this podcast make sure you go hit the like button uh, share it with your friends this is the kind of stuff that we keep on bringing to our content honestly it's very valuable it's very important and it's what's going on in today's world so guys if you believe it you can achieve it and your paradise is possible